Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. First of all, we begin by humbly thanking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and glorifying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for enabling us with this unique opportunity to congregate in this house to worship Him, to glorify Him, to send salutations upon His Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And we pray that Allah azza wa jalla will continue to facilitate such opportunities for us in the future. We're currently in the month of Rajab, a month which is uh, auspicious, a month that is noble, uh, a month that is incredibly important within the Islamic tradition, a month that is blessed. The Prophet would seek blessings from this month, but I would ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless him in this month. And it's a month in which a specific event took place in the life of the Prophet which not only changed uh, the, the da'wah or the approach of the Prophet but it also strengthened his resolve. It's an event that no other individual prior to the Prophet and no one after him was ever fortunate enough to experience. That event took place on the 27th night of, of Rajab, the night on which, the night in which the Islamic world celebrates as the Isra wal Mi'raj, the ascension, the night journey and ascension of the Prophet we, even though we didn't actually experience that journey as the Ummah of the Prophet it's important to state from the beginning that we should, should feel extremely fortunate that this great miracle, this auspicious and blessed miracle was blessed to our Prophet uh, an experience that even Sayyidina Musa والسلام, one of the great prophets of Allah when the Prophet والسلام, met him on the night journey what did Musa والسلام, do? he began to cry and when he was asked why he was crying he said this, this young man referring this to the Prophet والسلام, he came after me and yet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed him so much then that his the number of individuals that will enter Jannah, the number, his number of followers that, that will enter Jannah will be far more than anybody else's. So we are fortunate enough to be from among those followers of the Prophet who insha'Allah will be granted Jannah on the day of resurrection. It was a night that showed the superiority that signified the superiority of the Prophet over everybody else. It showed the leadership of the Prophet It demonstrated his superiority over all of Allah's creation, not just mankind. Last year, during the time of the uh, Isra wal Miraj in, in the month of Rajab, I went through the actual story itself, how it took place. How Sayyidina Jibra'il he came to, 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 uh, to the Prophet 
And he woke the Prophet ﷺ up. And then he took him. And then the Burak was there. And we spoke about the Burak, this, this winged horse. right? And the Prophet ﷺ then traveled to, to, to uh, Masjid al-Aqsa. This is the first part of the journey known as the Isra. Asra means to travel by night. Subhanallah asra bi abdihi. Glory be to him, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says. So this is self-adulation by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Glory be to Allah. Thank your Lord. How amazing is your Lord that he took his servant by night. From where? From Masjid al-Haram in Mecca to Masjid al-Aqsa in uh, Jerusalem. That's the first part of the night. What happened? The Prophet ﷺ entered Masjid al-Aqsa, the vicinity of Masjid al-Aqsa, and he led all of the previous Prophets in prayer, which shows the superiority and leadership of the Prophet ﷺ. From there, the second part of the journey began, the Mi'raj, the Ascension. Jibreel ﷺ on uh, the Burak traveled to the seven heavens, in which they met with the previous prophets. The Prophet saw things that no individual before him has ever seen. He experienced things that no individual before him has ever experienced. He met with his Lord. He, uh, uh, he was given a gift. He was granted a gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The gift of the five daily prayers which first started off as 50. And you know the story when the Prophet sallallahu kept coming down and Musa salam kept sending the Prophet sallallahu back asking for the, to, for the prayers to be reduced until they were reduced to five. We've heard of the story before. But what's, what's, the, what's the most important thing that we can take away from the story of the Prophet What's the greatest lesson that we can learn, which should result in our iman increasing in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, our following of the Prophet sallallahu becoming stronger. Usually when people talk about the Laylatul Isra wal Miraj, they see it as a day which is an auspicious day in the calendar of, of Islam. They see it as a day to make extra prayers or to fast, but there's so much more to it than that. We as Muslims must never allow the, the night of Isra wal Mi'raj to become a, a mere fantastical story that we relate to our children, that we talk about, that this miraculous, amazing event happened to our Prophet ﷺ, like the Jews and the Christians who took their scriptures as stories and detached them from, from real life. We cannot leave Islam on the shelf or the pages of books, we must ensure that we live by uh, these stories, that we take these stories as lessons. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us countless stories in the Quran. And at the end of the stories, what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? And these are examples for you. These stories are examples for you, so you may take uh, pleasure in them, so you may learn from them. They're examples for people who ponder, for people who reflect. So this is, this is us today. We should ponder and reflect on this night journey of the Prophet ﷺ. And we should reflect on the lessons that we can learn from it. There's two surahs in the Quran that refer to the, um, to the Isra wal Miraj. Surah Bani Israel, which is also called Surah Al-Isra and Surah Al-Najm. Uh, the verse from Surah Bani Israel, Surah Al-Isra, 
refers to the journey from Mecca to Jerusalem where Surah Al-Najm refers to the Mi'raj, the ascension of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and the closeness of the Prophet wasalam, on that day. In the verse of Surah Al-Isra'il, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala says, Subhanallah, asra bi'abdihi laylan min al-mashid al-haram ila al-mashid al-aqsa al-ladhi ba'akna hawlahu liduriyahu min ayatina innahu huwa al-sameel al-basir. Glory be to Allah. Praise be to Allah, the one who took his servant by night from Mashid al-Haram in Mecca to Mashid al-Aqsa in Jerusalem. الَّذِي بَارَكْنَا هَوْلَهُ Whose surroundings we have blessed, referring to Mashid al-Aqsa. Whose surroundings we have blessed. And there's multiple reasons the, uh, uh, the Mufassirin state that the surroundings of Mashid al-Aqsa have been blessed. There's a reason why the Mashid al-Aqsa is the third most holiest site in Islam. Hundreds of prophets are buried in the vicinity of the uh, Masjid al-Aqsa, in the surroundings of Masjid al-Aqsa. Why? لِنُرِيَهُ min ayatina To show him some of our signs. إِنَّهُ هُوَ السَّمِيعُ الْبَسِيرُ Indeed, he is the all-hearing and the all-seeing. So the purpose of this journey was to show the Prophet ﷺ just some of the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to not only strengthen his faith, but the faith of his ummah. To bring his ummah closer to him, to bring his ummah, uh, to grant his ummah a better understanding of what, who the Lord was, what was the divine capability of the Lord, and what is to come ultimately in the hereafter. The very first lesson, and I'm going to go through this very quickly, we have about 15 minutes. This is just the background that I was giving you. The very first lesson that we learn from the story of the Prophet ﷺ is taken from its background. Every story, every uh, circumstance must be looked at in terms of its context. Now, if you look at the context of this event and when it took place during the lifetime of the Prophet ﷺ, how the Prophet ﷺ was experiencing, what he was feeling during that time, it's an important lesson for us to learn. Perhaps one can truly appreciate the importance of this miraculous journey when the historical perspective is analyzed. And it's important for us to do that. Most historians agree that the Isra al-Mi'raj took place in the 10th year after the, uh, the, the, during the da'wah of the Prophet ﷺ. 10th year, the Prophet ﷺ received the first revelation. Now in those 10 years, the first three, wherein the Prophet ﷺ spent the majority of the time preaching in secrecy, and the Muslims were very few in number. Then seven years the Prophet ﷺ spent after that preaching openly to the Quraysh. And yet, unfortunately, not that many people responded to the call of the Prophet ﷺ. Those seven years were extremely tough, extremely tough. In those seven years, the Prophet Sallallahu uh, companions were continually persecuted. Continually. The Prophet والسلام, himself was continually persecu persecuted. The followers of the Prophet Sallallahu were not only few in number, the majority of them were ill-equipped in terms of dealing with that situation. They weren't physically able to sometimes defend themselves. And many of them lost their lives as a result. 
in that tenth year itself, the Prophet ﷺ experienced some devastating losses that would have devastated any other individual who didn't have the resolve of the Prophet ﷺ. First, the Prophet ﷺ's uh, pillar of support, Abu Talib, his uncle, who when the Quraysh decided to stop the Prophet ﷺ, they first came to Abu Talib and they said to Abu Talib, his uncle, that they knew that Abu, as long as Abu Talib had his support and Abu Talib being the influential man that he was among the Quraysh, that it was difficult for them to be able to reach or to get to the Prophet and cause him harm without Abu Talib intervening. So they came to Abu Talib and they said to him, look, stop your, 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 uh, your nephew from preaching this message and taking our people away from the worship of our forefathers, from the religion of our forefathers to the worship of this one God, this new religion. Stop him. If you don't stop him, then we, we will stop him, as in we will kill him. And Abu Talib, when he approached the Prophet ﷺ, and he told the Prophet ﷺ, out of the love that he had for him, out of the honor and respect that he had for him, and the Prophet ﷺ responded by saying that if they place the sun in my right hand and they place the moon in my, right, in my left hand and asked me to stop preaching this message, I will still never be able to do so. I will continue to preach until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes my life. As in no matter what happens, no matter what they do to me, they can never stop me from giving this da'wah and calling people towards Islam, calling people towards uh, Allah Azza wa Jal. At that point, Abu Talib says, do whatever you have to do and I will continually support you. And he, he did. He continued to support the Prophet Sallallahu until he passed away. When he passed away, the Quraysh saw this as, as an opportunity to now attack the Prophet and his family. They said, look, he's vulnerable now. He doesn't have the support of his uncle anymore. That influential support that his uncle had and the hand that the, his uncle had over his shoulder is no longer present. It's time for us to go in for the kill. It's time for us to attack him. So they put stringent conditions upon the family of the Prophet they exiled the Prophet ﷺ to the valley of Abu Talib and his, uh, and his family also. They began to torture even more the companions of the Prophet ﷺ and make lives difficult for them. That was one aspect of it. It was a devastating loss. Then immediately thereafter, the Prophet ﷺ lost his, his, um, uh, his most you know, important, the, the most important person in his life. And the pillar of support, uh, his confidant, uh, his spouse, his wife, Sayyida Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha, the first person to accept Islam. Sayyida Khadija, if you analyze the historical uh, uh, concept of, of Islam, and how is when Islam, when the Prophet Sallallahu first began to preach the, the, uh, the revelation that was revealed to him. When the first revelation came and the Prophet Sallallahu came down from that mountain and said, Zammiluni, Zammiluni, cover me, cover me. It was Sayyidah Khadija who covered the Prophet Sallallahu When he explained to Sayyidah Khadija what has just transpired, what has just happened to him. 
Sayyidah Khadija, instead of laughing at him, instead of saying, what's wrong with you? You know, you're, you're, having, you're having dreams. This wasn't real. She supports him. She said that Allah will never forsake you. Allah will never leave you. You're a noble man. You're the most noblest man. You take care of the guests. You, you, you care for the orphans. You do everything right. Allah will never forsake you. She supported him. She was the first person to believe in his message. The first person. And she dedicated her life. She dedicated uh, her wealth to the servitude of the Prophet ﷺ, to the message of the Prophet ﷺ. So much so that even after she passed away and all of her children, all of the Prophet's children except for Ibrahim were, uh, he had with, with, with Sayyidah Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha, even when she passed away, many, many years later, the Prophet ﷺ used to be in Medina. The Prophet always used to remember Sayyidah Khadija and remember her fondly. So much so that Sayyidah Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, she would ask the Prophet sallallahu why, why do you remember uh, Khadija when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you younger wives? And the Prophet sallallahu said that how Khadija benefited me and how she uh, supported me, nobody else supported me. When the Prophet sallallahu was slaughtered an animal, he would take some of its meat and he would uh, say, give it to someone and say, give it to the friends of Khadija. So he honored her memory in that way. She passes away. So the Prophet not only leave, loses the, the support, the communal support of, uh, Sayyidina, uh, of, of Abu Talib, he also loses uh, Sayyidah Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha's individual personal support that he had in his own life. She passes away. Then the most devastating event in the the, the life of the Prophet takes place. The Prophet goes to Ta'if. He goes to Ta'if to preach the religion of Islam. And uh, there he, he calls the people and he invites them towards the worship of Allah. And he invites them to follow uh, his way, his sunnah, his example. And they laugh at him. They dishonor him. They tell their children to stone him and stone, continue to stone him outside uh, and, until he leaves the city. Uh, when he leaves the city covered in blood, the blood from the blessed forehead of the Prophet وسلم, was uh, flowing into his sandals and the angel uh, is sent. And the angel asks the Prophet وسلم, that give me permission today, I've come with the permission of Allah. If, if you so choose, I'll bring down uh, these two mountains of either, on either side of Ta'if and I'll bring down such destruction upon this city that not a, a single individual would live to tell the tale. And the Prophet وسلم, again, despite, all the, despite the fact that he was going through all of this, he had every right to say, yes, do that. How dare they dishonor me? But the Prophet وسلم, said, I've not been sent as the Prophet of the destruction. Anna Nabi Rahmah. I'm the Prophet of mercy. I'm the Prophet of compassion. The Prophet ﷺ said, perhaps that those same individuals who stoned me today, those same individuals who tried to hurt me and harm me today, among them or their children, their progeny, someone would accept the message of Islam. And the Prophet ﷺ forgave him, for, forgave them. This is just some of the historical. Uh, if we analyze the historical uh, concept of the the Mi'raj, the Isra wal Mi'raj. This is the time when the Prophet ﷺ was blessed with the night journey. 
And it goes on to further affirm that verse of the Quran, فَإِنَّ مَعَ الْأُسْرِ يُسْرَى إِنَّ مَعَ الْأُسْرِ يُسْرَى Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, and certainly, after every hardship comes ease, after every hardship comes ease. The Prophet sallallahu suffered hardship. The Prophet sallallahu suffered devastating loss. The Prophet suffered in his personal and professional life if you consider his da'wah as, his, as part of his professional life. He, he suffered. And yet the Prophet never deviated from his mission. Never did he lose hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Never did he lose hope in the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He continued to pray. He continued to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his divine assistance. And that divine assistance came in the form of, of this night journey that the Prophet ﷺ experienced. So this is something that we, we too can learn from. That we suffer from depression, we suffer from anxiety, we, do, we suffer from devastating loss. How should we cope? Should we turn uh, our backs to life? And, and away from the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu and say, look, you know, use it as an excuse to push Islam out of our lives? Or should we run further towards the example of the Prophet sallallahu and embrace it? Learn from the uh, prophetic life and continue on this journey to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to make Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be happy with us. So this is something that we can do. You know, it's one of the most leading problems that we suffer in the West today. Depression. I was reading somewhere in a report that one in every five uh, individuals suffers <coughs> from depression. One in every five individuals. Just look around you today, the people who are here. One in every five individuals suffers from some form of depression. Suicide rates are ever increasing. Ever increasing. People have, have, have so much in life, yet, you know, there, there's no contentment within their hearts. Allah the Quran says. It is only with the, with the remembrance of Allah that the hearts are satisfied. We need to bring our religion back into our lives. We need to try to draw ourselves closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, even when we feel like we have no... Look, when we feel like we have nobody else and everybody else has forsaken us, everybody else has left us, we can never feel that we've been forsaken by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that we've been left alone by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will never burden you more than your capacity and your ability to bear that suffering. So know that He's always there, know that He's always watching you. He's the all-hearing. He's the all-seeing. He, he knows what you're going through. He sees what you experience. And he's the one that we should confide in. Never draw ourselves further away from him. Instead, we should draw ourselves closer to him. That's what the Prophet ﷺ did. When, when the Prophet was suffering, when the Prophet ﷺ suffered these devastating losses, instead of drawing, retreating, the Prophet drew closer to the Prophet, drew closer to the to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for more of his mercy. He asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his compassion. That's that's the first lesson that we can learn. And the primary lesson. Other lessons that 
uh, we can learn from, from this amazing story of the Prophet night journey is the significance of Masjid Al-Aqsa. A, a place now that is torn apart by, um, uh, by war. A place now that even, even today, in this day and age, Muslims are still being stopped from, from praying in Masjid Al-Aqsa. Their lives are continually being made difficult. And it's important that we understand why this place is so, uh, so important to our, to our heritage. The Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, uh, uh, "No, in fact, Imam Muslim quotes uh, Abu Dhar radiyallahu taala an as saying that I asked the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam which was the first mosque, first house of Allah subhanahu wa taala upon this earth, and the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam replied by saying, Masjid al-Haram, i.e. the Kaaba in Mecca." And then uh, Abu Dhar asked again, "Then which after the the Masjid al-Haram in Mecca?" He said. Uh, the Prophet ﷺ replied, Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa, the, first, the furthest mosque, after the Masjid Al-Haram in Mecca, that was the first mosque to be built. It's incredibly important. It's incredibly important to our tradition. And it's important that we understand how, uh, uh, how important it is for our, our brothers and sisters in, in, in Palestine to not only be cared for, not only be prayed for, prayed for, but to continually be supported as much as we possibly can. It's a, it was the first qibla for the Muslims, the station of the Isra wal Miraj, the second house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be built upon this earth. Hundreds of messengers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are buried in its vicinity, a place where many of the companions lived and died. They moved there, a place where many miracles took place, many, many miracles. A place that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself states in the Quran, Its surroundings we have blessed and we have honored. So there's, uh, that's one of the things that we can learn from it. Uh, the third thing and one of the most important things is the leadership of the Prophet sallallahu The superiority of the Prophet over all others. The Prophet was chosen for this divine, for, for this celestial journey. No other individual in history has been ever granted that privilege. Not only was he chosen, but he was chosen to lead the prophets in prayer, to show that the, the, the Prophet is the chosen one. And he is the leader of all of the prophets, and no doubt the greatest creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sayyidina Jabir ibn Abdullah he reports that the Prophet said that I have been given five things that no one before me was ever given. And one of those five things that the Prophet said, he said, I've been sent to every red and black, as in I've been sent to people of every race, every color. I've been sent for all of mankind. The Quran also testifies to the fact that the Prophet is He's a mercy for all of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's creation. And it's important that we understand the significance of the Prophet uh, and his connection and his closeness uh, to, to us. Um, the other things that we can learn are the Prophet ﷺ saw the reality of the dunya and the reality of, of the shaitan. And this is the last thing I'm going to quickly mention. We crave and we pine for this world, this dunya. And we try, we, we spend our entire lives until, our, uh, until we become old and frail, working to succeed only in this dunya. And we spend our whole lives doing that. Only at the end realizing, right at the end, that all of it was for nothing. The Prophet on this night journey, he saw an old, frail woman. 
And Sayyidina Jibreel alayhi salatu wasalam, he uh, told the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasalam, when the Prophet asked, who is this old woman? The Prophet uh, Jibreel said, Angel Jibreel said, this is the dunya. This old woman is the dunya. And he informed the Prophet that the amount of time that she has left is the amount of time that you spend in the dunya, is the amount of time left between, uh, uh, between now and the day of resurrection, and the day of judgment, the last day. So it's a short period of, of time that you have. And there's a short period of time left between now and Yom Al-Qiyamah. Use that time wisely to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Don't, don't think that this is your eternal abode. That, you're always, that we're always going to stay here, that life is eternal, I'm never going to die. That mentality corrupts us when you think that, you're never going to die. You're always going to stay here. It's important that we understand uh, that too. And the shaitan also, the Prophet ﷺ, uh, he came across an old man who called out to him. And the Prophet ﷺ didn't respond to his call. And then he was informed that this was shaitan who was calling out to the Prophet And he came as a devil to try and disguise. He disguised himself as an old man to try and uh, deceive the Prophet But the Prophet did not respond to his deception. This is another thing that we can learn that throughout our lives, the shaitan will continually try to misguide us. He will continue, continue, continue try to mislead us. It's important that we don't fall into the trap of allowing ourselves to, to be misled or to be misguided. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give me a new tawfiq and the ability to act upon the teachings of the Qur'an and the noble sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Wa akhirat da'amana. And alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.